Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today on the show, I have my good friend, Amanda Gent. Amanda just ran a new 5K PR uh, on her Mother's Day 5K, and we uh, we kind of start off the episode with that, but we dive into Many more topics. Uh, Amanda not only is very energetic, funny, and just entertaining, uh, but has a lot of, uh, you know, very open and has a lot of candor in this episode. We touch on um, her mother's um, her mother's cancer diagnosis and when she passed and the effect that had on her life. We also touch on uh, an eating disorder that she has battled through and uh, kind of her first stab at running, and then uh, kind of when she picked it up two years ago after she had uh, had two children. And uh, she is uh, just a ball of energy, so much fun to talk to, and I have no doubt that you'll like this show, uh, that's for sure. And uh, if you do, I love it. If you shared it, um, either on Instagram or wherever you uh, share things, social media-wise, or even if it's a friend down the street, you want to tell them, that's great. Also, you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. All I can say is is that when you do that, it helps. It helps the show, uh, and I'm very appreciative for everyone who has done that. That's for sure. So thank you so much for listening, and here is the show with Amanda Gent. Hello, Amanda, and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on. I've been looking forward to this. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to, to be a part. I've been looking forward to it, too. So we, we kind of set this up a few months ago. Uh, we kind of first got in contact about potentially doing an episode. And little did I know that you were going to put such a string of races together. My goodness, that was, that was pretty nice. I'm looking at these results. I'm like, man, I can't wait to she's killing it. <laughs> yeah. And when we first talked, I thought, oh, geez, I've got to I got to do something. I got to make it worthwhile. <laughs> so I'm glad it worked out that way. <laughs> I know, right? It's been a little, it's been a little disappointing for you. I'm sure if I like call yeah. you up for an episode and you're like, "So let me tell you about all the races I failed to do well in." Right, right. <laughs> it, you know, and we said maybe we'll do it before the half marathon, or maybe we'll do it after. And I thought we can't do it before because if I'm like gung ho about going for a PR, and then I come back and had the race that I actually ended up having. I thought, mm, that might have not been so exciting. <laughs> well, so. it's funny because it, I, I always give people the option. And I think it really is kind of like a case study in how they're feeling during their training. Is that if I ask them to be on the show and it's kind of around uh, a big race, whether it's intentional on my part or just kind of ends up working out that way. Um, I always say, hey, do you want to do before or after? It's totally up to you. Sure. And some people are very, very like, on point with what they want like oh no it has to be before or like oh yeah. no it has to be after it's usually like related to like how nervous they are about that race yeah I guess that tells you that I was pretty nervous then <laughs> <laughs> well you shouldn't have been nervous about this 5k you just kicked in because you just had the Mother's Day 5k you were third overall you ran a 21 31 which was a new PR for you not just a yeah. PR a 57-second PR, which is insane for a yeah. 5K. I mean, that is absolutely insane. That's you know, roughly a 17-second per mile PR. First of all, congrats. I mean, Thank what an accomplishment. You. Yeah, it was exciting. Um, we It was one of those random races. My husband and I both got entries um, by one of the sponsors. And I said, oh, this is what I want to do. This is my Mother's Day dream. 
So we, um, we just headed up to the big city outside of my small town and um, just enjoyed it. And it was just supposed to be for fun. And I had no clue that I was in PR condition at all for the 5K, um, much less that drastic of a move. I mean, a couple of seconds would have made me happy, but uh, almost a whole minute. Jeez, that's exciting. Yeah, Jesus, right. So let's give a little context. So where do you live and where was the race? So I live in a little town in South Carolina, right below the border. Um, we're North Carolina. And so Charlotte, North Carolina is my, it's like the queen city, the hub of all the busy. Um, and I'm in this quaint little town called Rock Hill. It's where I grew up and um, met my husband and he's also from here. And so we've just settled here. Um so our town is not that huge, but Charlotte is like a big metropolis. And so you never know what kind of runners you're going to find up there. Um, it is a big running community. So it's just the, the luck of the draw who shows up at a start line. You might have some elite runner. You might have a previous Olympian. You might have a bunch of nobodies, you know, but um, it, it's always fun to do those races anyway, no matter who's running them. Right. And you had mentioned that for you, this was Definitely a surprise uh, to run a PR, uh, not to mention um, how drastic the PR was. So you were coming off uh, running two back-to-back half marathons. So how did that run? How did that training translate for you for this 5K? Which obviously wasn't like the point of the training, but how did it work for you? And how did you figure out like even like the proper pace to go out since it wasn't even related to the training that you were doing? Yeah. So, um, I mean, really, honestly, since last July, I've been in large training cycles that have only given me a week break or so in between. So with this last half marathon, um, I had intended to run a PR uh, for that one, you know, a couple weeks back, but it didn't work out that way. And that's totally fine. But um, it was a great race. And so coming off of that, um, it never fails that after a big race, I try to fall in in some start line of some small fun distance um it happened like that after the marathon last fall and ended up running the previous pr at a turkey trot on thanksgiving morning um and then with this one i think it was just taking a step back from that hardcore training and miles and miles and miles and just kind of running a day here and a day there and just a mile and i wonder how fast i can run this one and you know, I, I knew that my body was able to run the current PR um, and maybe I could squeeze out something, but I just kept saying, you know, if, if I can run 13 miles or 15 miles and it takes me this long, then certainly I can run three miles and just put it into gear, whatever I have. And so I wanted to stay within my, my previous PR limits, um, which was anywhere between really like around the seven eleven mark. And I thought well, maybe I could just shoot for a seven Oh six. And, um, I kind of surprised myself with the six fifty six pegs, you know, that's not normal, but, um, yeah, I just, I, I felt great. So I just kept going and thought, well, I'll torture my body if I have to, but I feel good. And I'll just ask forgiveness when I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're normally a fast starter. So how did, yeah. you, how did you kind of rein that in for this race? And the reason I ask is it, it obviously paid dividends. It, it must have been part of the reason that you were able to run, run this pace. 
Yeah, it never fails that in any race I leave the start line at a ridiculous sprint, um, which is so unnecessary, especially in the, a short race like a 5K. And so um, I knew that in order to have the most potential of fresh legs at the last tenth of a mile of the race, I needed to be really smart with that first tenth. And so um, it's hard to to leave not with the pack. Um, but I just kept saying, hold it back, hold it back, quick feet, don't push too hard, just hold it back. And um, once I, I wanted to kind of settle around the seven minute mark, because I knew at that point, I could sustain that pace, or I could maybe go a little bit faster if I really wanted it. I just didn't want to go out with a 645 and then end the last mile at a 725. So the, the goal is always negative splitting. And you do that best when you hold it back at the start. So um, I, at the half marathon, I just did our start out pace was a 620. And oh, that dear. Was, yeah. So, I mean, that, that really did come to, to bite me um, about halfway through. So I kind of had that playing like, you know, the consequences if you go out too fast. So just rein it in and hold it steady. So, um, yeah, that's what I did. And somehow it worked and it felt fabulous. Now, you didn't do any like super fast training in your, uh, in your half marathon, um, ramp up. You know, you, you kind of told me that earlier, it was much more about, you know, kind of get more tempos and longer intervals. So yeah. do you have, especially shoot, throwing a six twenty mile out there at the start of any race of any distance, um, I guess kind of, kind of, uh, intimates that you have a certain amount of speed, uh, in there just naturally. Um, so, so, so for you, do you, do you ever have to focus too much on the, uh, on the speed element or is that something that you've always had and you, and you kind of work on um, kind of, kind of spend more time working on your weaknesses, so to speak? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a really good question. I would not say I naturally have speed. Um, I think I have these short bursts of, Oh my gosh, I have all this energy. I need to let it go. Um, and, and that's where that comes from. But you know, I've never really been fast. Um, and if you look, you at are my... now, Amanda, he's <laughs> <Jeez> Louise. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of wowing to think that I can hit, um, some of those paces, but I, I mean, I really do. I have to work hard for it. And, um, I, I miss the fast part of it when I'm out running 10 miles at the same recovery pace, you know, how monotonous that can be. But, um, but I feel like there's a little bit of speed that I haven't tapped into quite yet. So um, I told myself after these long training cycles that this summer was really going to be focusing on speed. Like I, hands down, I want to be able to run back to back miles in the sixes. So that's my goal. Well, I think you just did it. Didn't you just do it? Well, I, I had a really fast end mile. Um, and then, oh, okay. I, yeah, so that kind of, it took it, um, a little bit uh, awkward and with the first mile, so you know how all that ends. The second mile was the worst by far, oh, okay. but, um, but yeah, it, it's there somewhere. So <laughs> I'm going to go you for might, it. You might do it in your next workout. It sounds like you're like, you're ready to do it right now. Well, yeah, kinda. I can't, <laughs> I can't wait to talk to you about this past year. Um, cause you've done a lot of things that are noteworthy, but before we do, I do want to take it back. Cause for you, this is kind of your second 
kind of your second stab at running. Um, yeah. Before, uh, I'm going to read a quote uh, from you, if you don't mind. Sure. He said, um, when I started running after college, I ran away from all the things, expectations, healthy relationships with people, myself, food, uh, my mother's brain cancer and death and infertility. So at that point in your life, um, I guess, can you just expand on that quote and kind of what, what was going on in your life and how running fit into that? Sure. So, um, I was never a runner, actually, um, prior to my senior year in college. Um, I am a musician by trade. I play the violin. And so um, it was always be in the orchestra or do something athletic. And I was not gifted in any way, shape, or form with hand-eye coordination. I mean, I really looked like the most spastic kid on the basketball court, you know. Um, And so when I got to college... I did the typical college thing and just hung out with friends and um, I studied abroad. I didn't gain the freshman 15. I gained the study abroad 20 and, <laughs> um, and came back. That, dep- and- that depends where you go. I feel like right. that, my friends who went to Italy, yeah. they like, they all lost weight because they walked everywhere. Yeah. And, like I had friends who went to Ireland and like they just gained all the weight. Yeah, in Spain, you you do walk, but you also eat a whole lot (laughs) (laughs) at really random times, like at 10 o'clock at night. So that's that's that. But um, anyway, I I developed and kind of diverged into an eating disorder um, and just pretty much starved myself. Um, And I was sad because I couldn't exercise because everything about me felt large and it was difficult. It was hard to breathe. It was hard to move. And um And so I went through this really dark season um, and lost half a person, which is striking for some people to think and believe. But um, coming out of that, I thought, well, you know, I've got to I've got to have a safe place. I've got to have a healthy outlet. But I still love to sweat and to move. And at that point, I had moved from walking, which is what I did. I was an excessive exercise walker. and and I didn't feed myself. So I thought, well, maybe I can start running. It'll get the job done half as quick, you know? And so every time I ran, it was like I was running away from all of the eating disorder thoughts and all of the, um, you know, I was doing my senior recital. And so I was in the music conservatory most of the time. And I was also a Spanish major and I was tutoring. And so it was all of these things, but anytime I put on running shoes, I was running away from it. And it was so freeing. Um, and I feel like you were in like a very highly pressurized situation at that point of your college life. No, it it was really pressure. All, all of the pressure put on me. So, um, I'm just that type a uh, kind of borderline OCD, um, I'm sure there's lots of other descriptions out of like tests that you can take, but it, it was pressure that I put on myself. Nobody expected anything out of me. My parents never, um, never, ever had to push me to make good grades. You know, I, I wanted to do it. Um, I loved playing the violin and I wasn't even required to do a senior recital, but yet I, I chose to do it cause I wanted to. Um, so it's just, is that whole mentality. And I know it, that men and women both struggle with it, but it's one of the most prevalent diseases on college campuses with women. Um, As someone who works on a college campus, I can testify to that. Yeah. So, and I had also been predisposed to it. My sister 
also suffered an eating disorder when I was um, in middle school and she was in high school. And it, you know, it never was anything about becoming thin or losing weight. Ultimately, it was just, I can control what I put in my body. And if that means I'm going to eat one ginger snap and half of an apple a day, then that's what I'm going to do. And um, I prided myself in it for a certain period, but just really grateful for the friends that were surrounding me that um, never gave up and forced me into counseling. And um, so out of that, like running was the outlet that kind of made me, it made me hungry and it made me want to eat, but yet I was still able to exercise and kind of had that freeing time. But um, now you bring up something important there. I, I'm sorry to go back to it, but no. I, think it's, I think it is important is that first of all, thank you for your candor on this topic, which I know for, for some people can be a very difficult thing to talk about, but I think very important thing, mm, because like yeah. you mentioned, so many people go through it to various levels or, or know other people who have gone through it and uh, or are currently going through it. Mm. Um, uh, not to say is it that with, with me saying that, I know it's something that can persist for a long time, that sure. maybe it's dormant for some people, that, but can arise again later. Um, with all of that being said, you just said something that I thought was very interesting, is that you, you took pride in your ability um, to kind of limit yourself from an yeah. eating perspective. And I find that very interesting um, because did you feel like you had to then basically kind of take that pride aspect and put it to another endeavor. I mean, it's not like you weren't already involved with things, right? You were already tutoring. You were, you know, active with violin. You had other things going on. Did you have to kind of move that like prideful, like I'm achieving element to something else or, or no? Um, you know, I would say absolutely. Um, in the moment, I don't know that it was done intentionally. Um, but I think that was part of, well, and I, I would probably even say still is part of the process um, is just rezoning yourself back into um, kind of a healthy state where that isn't the issue with food. But um, at the same time, like, it, it's okay if I want to pride myself for being able to do all my laundry and keep up with it. You know, <laughs> um, there's really no different. I'm able to do this thing. So I'm going to be proud, whatever it is. Um, I would rather so much rather encourage women to be proud in their laundry skills than, um, limiting their food intake. So I would think, you know, and, and not to say that all women should only be domesticated by, an right. enemy, but, but it is, I would agree that that seems like a very, a much more healthy outlet. Yeah. Um, so, not, know, not, not to make, not to make light of the situation on either side. No, no, but, um, you know, and unintentionally, yeah, that's what happened. And probably one of the best tools of, of being able to do that. Um, I wouldn't say that that moved over into running at that point. Um, but you know, it might even be an inkling. It might be apparent now and in my running, um, in that aspect, but you just going from that and, um, getting out of school and not really knowing what to do with life. Um, you know, life was fine and I had a job, but as soon as I met uh, my husband, we dated and, uh, got married. And then six months later, my mom was diagnosed with brain cancer. So, um, I started running even more then, you know, it was in, instead of running away from, 
the expectations of getting the A on the paper and make and graduating summa cream laude and you know having this job or playing in this symphony it was now I've got to run away from the diagnosis or whatever the doctor said at the latest visit or whatever side effect was happening and so I just put my shoes on and I'd go and that was back too when like I don't even know that garments existed I'm sure they did but you didn't have one unless you were an Olympian. I'm, I'm almost positive. Um, so you just kind of ran to run, you know, um, at least that's what I did. And I, I, I don't remember much joy coming from it other than, God, that feels good. I just sweated. And now I've forgotten about the bad day, the bad news or, or whatever. Um, so that really persisted for two years while my mom was sick and I would run every so often. I don't even think I kept track of it, but, um, when she, my husband and I decided to start a family. Well, that didn't really work out the way we had intended. And so get the news that, well, I, I didn't resume my cycle for a while because of the previous, um, issue with the eating disorder. And so, I'd just start running again, you know, and every time something would surface that was not, I I couldn't deal with, I would just go run. And so I was running away from all of these things. Um, And eventually we did get pregnant and I had problems exercising and uh, keeping a heart rate that was low and sustainable for a child growing in the womb. So I pretty much cut off all exercise when I got pregnant with my first daughter, um, so that was back in 2009 and I didn't pick it up until like two years ago. So, um, that's when that second season came into play, but yeah, I always felt like I was running away from things and it was just a great way to leave the worries and the anxiety behind and I could disappear for a little bit and then everything was better when I came back. Right. And for a lot of people, shoot, especially for several of my recent episodes, uh, individuals talked about how they kind of got into running as for therapeutic mm-hmm. elements, um, not as therapy per se, because they, they had people, so many people went to therapy as well, or maybe some didn't need therapy per se, but this was, they, they enjoyed some of the therapeutic aspects. Um, like I just mentioned. So I can definitely see how that, that would work. And obviously with kind of the, the pregnancy leading up to your, your first daughter, uh, it makes a lot of sense to kind of like ease back on the exercise. And at that point, it must've just been felt, it must've just been so grateful that you were pregnant to begin with that you didn't want to like do right. anything to jeopardize. Right. Um, and I would, I can, I would have to assume that at that point, everything was just like an abundance of caution. Yeah, sure. And I would say too, that the, the community of pregnant women who are athletes or who are runners was nothing like it was then. Like, you weren't shamed for stopping. You were actually praised. Like, this is great that you're not exercising. You're not causing any damage. And of course, you know, you think, well, if I run, then something's going to happen and it's going to be my fault. So it, it, it was not encouraged then at all. As I see some people now, like I'm cheering on these pregnant mamas as they're running through like their 35th week. First of all, I never made it to 35 weeks, so I don't really know what it's like to, to be 35, <laughs> but, um, but it, you know, it was just, I halted everything. I did um, walk occasionally, but um, I ended up having preterm delivery and then was put on bed rest with my second daughter at um, at week 16. So 
uh, you know, it wasn't even a possibility then. Um, and that was okay. It was my season and, and I was totally fine with that in the moment. Um, Right. And, and that's the thing, too, is that it is so individualized is that there is no right way yeah. on this topic. And, and, and that's not even individually per se. It's even like per child. Sure. Right. There, there are plenty of people, even on this podcast, who've been like, yeah, my first kid, I ran kind of my second kid. I didn't run at all. My third kid, I ran all the time. And it was like, this is the same person with literally three different approaches, Yeah, you know, depending on each pregnancy. So there is, there is no right or wrong way per se. It really is kind of up to the individual in that moment. Um, but that you bring up a good point though, about how like, it definitely is one of those things that it definitely seems maybe it's, it's self-selective for me because I do follow runners who are more likely right. to run while pregnant um, sure. as opposed to non-runners wouldn't be like, I know what I'm going to start doing now that I'm 16 weeks pregnant. I'm <laughs> right. going to start a running habit. Um, <laughs> who does so, that, but, right? <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, I think there is definitely a, some sort of, you know, there's no shame if someone stops running, but there's not, uh, I think in this running community, uh, I think there's definitely a lot of like, hey, I got your back uh, if someone oh, yeah. does decide to run while pregnant. Yeah, I cheer them on because it, it wasn't me and it wasn't for me and nor did I really desire it to be. But um, right, I was, right. I'm so impressed by these women that can. So go get them. More power to you. <laughs> I know. I, I hear you. My, when I was in middle school. So this is to, I'm dating myself. So I'm 37 years old. I graduated high school in 99. So say I graduated middle school, what, like 96 or something. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, early to mid 90s. I was in middle school and our middle school gym teacher was also the, the high school cross country coach. And she was like a stud runner. She was like, you know, high 17s, 5k. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so she was running while she was pregnant, like right up until like the day before Man. she gave birth. And I remember at the time it being like the talk of the town. Like, <laughs> I can't believe Anne Marie Marino is running while she's pregnant it was like this thing that was like it was it was definitely something that i mean it reached my ears and i was like 12 years old man you know what i mean so just to put that in perspective also shout out to her uh i ran a 5k uh that she ran in uh in the fall she was so she is about 20 years older than i am and she still beat my ass oh that stinks <laughs> That this totally the first stinks. week in September. So I'm 37. She's like 55. And she, you know, so I'm standing next to her at the start line. And, you know, I'm like, I'm like you. I'm like, I go out too fast all the time. I'm going to go out slow. So literally 200 meters into the 5K, she looks at me. She goes, are you going to run with me or what? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, this is going to be awful. <laughs> you know, I would, I would go hashtag goals on that. Like, I'm 57. I'd love to be able to beat some young kids but you know like maybe just maybe <laughs> there you go yeah well i got to do this i'm gonna segue into another quote that you had about this time period before we kind of dive into your second kind of your second go at running and, and the recent success that you've had you have said um i spent so many years living in my own unreachable standards when i lost my mom and then became a mom it was like i started from scratch so what, in what way did you start from scratch? Like what elements of your life did you feel like were, were kind of erased and you were able to build anew? Yeah. So, um, even listening to that, like that is, it, it almost brings me to tears because that's what I felt for so long. Um, you know, just trying to 
to do the best that I thought was the best. And um, after losing my mother and feeling so lost um, and then having my own child, I couldn't pick up the phone 2 a.m. and call my mom and, and ask her what I should do. Like, I, I didn't have my mom come and stay with me after I had my daughter. Some people, most in-laws or families or parents, they come and they hang out with their grandchildren for a while. And um, th there was just a loss there. And um, I felt like I was doing it completely alone. And yeah, my husband, bless his heart, he was all the hot emotionally all the time. I just that I, I couldn't depend on my mother who was absent from my life now to guide me in the next steps of life. Um, and that many women who had preceded me had raised plenty of fine and healthy children and that I was perfectly capable of doing that myself. Um, but just giving myself grace, you know, I didn't have my mom around to judge me or to teach me. Um, and so it was, just me again, here I am. Um, and it really became a, a time of learning to give grace to myself. I couldn't do it all. Not even if I tried, if I didn't sleep enough, you know, I was going to fail because I was a mother and I was sleep deprived. Um, I was going to do my best. You better believe it. I was going to make sure I breastfed my baby. I was going to make sure I gave him or gave her homemade baby food. I was going to do all these things, but I just felt like I didn't have anybody's standards to live up to anymore. And I was so knocked out by motherhood that I couldn't even create standards of my own anymore. I was just exhausted, you know, and parenting. And as they got older, it didn't get any easier, more tired, you know, but, um, it just was an opportunity to start over and say, just keep moving forward, give yourself grace and use it for the next thing, you know? Um, and that has played into every aspect of my life. That meant self-grace, keep moving forward and let it push you to the next step. So um, that, you know, a lot of people don't say, well, I'm grateful that my mother, or my father, or my sibling passed away, but you know, had my mother still been living, I'm, I'm sure that I would have depended on her a whole lot. And I wouldn't have been able to learn some of the lessons that have been so important for me now and that were so great a need seven years ago when my first daughter was born as they are now, you know. So um, there are small ways to look for, um, you know, reaping the benefits out of seasons that are so hard like that. But that's certainly one of them. What a great lesson for us all to know. Give yourself grace. You have no standard but your own. And so give yourself some grace. Keep going, though. Don't give it up keep going, <laughs> you know. And, and did the type A part of your personality kind of manifest, manifest itself in a lot of that? Yeah. Um, I, I would say that it was, it was really difficult at the beginning because I thought that, you know, everything had to be done a really particular way. But honestly and truthfully, I think that the exhaustion from parenting started to strip that type A down a little bit. Um, and people that know, it would say that, oh my gosh, she's loosened up so much. Um, and I truly think it's because I'm just, you know, I'm fried on all ends. My brain cells are all gone. 
Um, I'm, I'm just doing it to do it and get through the day. But, um, but it is a little freeing and it, it's nice to not have that feeling of captivity by myself anymore. Um, yeah. Right. And, and then here you go. You start kind of the second phase of your running career. And as you put it, you're no longer running away from things. You are running toward things. So what were you running towards exactly? Yeah, that's a really good question. The finish line of the next race, maybe. <laughs> uh, so I, uh, I had my second daughter and shortly after started struggling with migraines and um, on a preventative medication that gave me a super high metabolism. And so I lost weight unnecessarily um, and without any exercise because I was like I said, I'm, the the whole parenting thing really got to me. <laughs> it made me really tired. And so I never had any energy to do anything. So, uh, you know, go through the course of that medicine. And finally, it just wasn't a good, a good thing for me anymore. So I got off of it and thought, well, gosh, I, I got to do something now. My kids are old enough. Five years, can't use that excuse of, oh, I didn't sleep in the middle of the night, you know. And um, I set this big goal out to become a triathlete. I was going to do it. I was going to teach myself how to swim. I was going to get on a bike and then I had the running part down. So I, I figured wow. out. So you were just going to go from zero to superhero. Why That's not? It. That was, that was the plan. Right. Pretty much. <laughs> so, um, my husband and father-in-law were really big into triathlons. And so they kind of coached oh, me. Through, right. Yeah. A few things. And, um, lo and behold, I started training, um, right in May and then co- did one in August, um, of 2016. And it was in that training process that it was kind of fun. Like I enjoyed the, the goal of every workout. I struggled in the pool, but I was seeing gains. And so that was kind of neat to see. And then every time I hopped off the bike, it was like, I had this out of body experience of why am I moving my legs faster to run? it's not making any sense, but, um, that was the first time I'd ever seen a sub eight minute mile ever from any time that I had remembered or, and thought, well, that wasn't really that hard, you know? And so through that training, I realized I'm a better runner than I was 10 years ago. Um, and, and so I started to kind of think maybe this is something I could start doing for fun again. You know, and I started off pretty slow. And then before I knew it, I was waking up at 4.15 in the morning to meet my teacher friends. And we'd go run four or five miles. And we did that four to six. Um, Then they roped me in and I signed up for another half marathon. Rest is history. Um, But it just became something I looked forward to. Instead of going out for a girl's night out and feeling like junk the next day. I was waking up at these really early times, having girl time, you know, having time away from my kids, but I I was never taking away from my family. Um, And so it was just every day, it just got better and better and better. And then I started um, like officially training. I got connected with a a run coach and um, she started. Who's your coach? Amanda Spindler. She's with Pace Right Coaching. So, um, she was kind of new on the scene and so was I. So we just kind of managed to meet together. She lives in um, Minnesota. 
yes, Minnesota. It's one of those states way up north that gets snow all the time. You know all about that, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I'm, oh, if we got plenty of snow this year in Rhode Island. That's for sure. Uh, I can testify so, to that. Um, I think one day here it was like 76 degrees and she was getting snow and I thought I can't even fathom. But, um, but yeah, she, she's been absolutely amazing. And um, we've been working together since last January and I, it has not gotten old. The idea of waking up at crazy hours of the morning or the paces that are put on a list. I mean, I'm the one that's driving it. I'm the one saying, well, I'm going to sign up for this race or this is going to be my goal, you know? Um, but gosh, it, it never gets old. It really doesn't. I mean, there are some days where it's hard, but it, it really fuels me to a point where I'm the best I can be. I'm the best human. I'm the best mother. I'm the best worker, you know, wife, all of those things when I can get that run in. So um, completely different uh, purpose of the same activity, but it is so much fun now. So hear that loud and clear. <laughs> well, not only is it loud and clear, Amanda, just, Amanda, but it's like your voice inflection changed when you were talking about this. I mean, we've been on the podcast now for about 35 minutes. Um, and like the last three minutes, you're, you already are a very energetic person, but like you yeah. like just like amped it up. Like, I don't even think it was like unknowingly. It's very obvious uh, how much it means to you and how excited you get just even talking about it, never mind doing it, uh, which is, which really is um, <laughs> you know, obviously fantastic. And you alluded to uh, your career. So, just for context, for contextual purposes, what, what, what is your job? So, I um, am a I'm a preschool teacher, um, and I kind of wear a lot of different hats. I don't teach a specific age. I actually um, teach uh, Spanish and science. So my Spanish kids are from babies to four-year-olds. And then science, I do like two-year-olds to four-year-olds. And then I have um, every Monday we start our week out with chapel. And so we sing a, a bunch of like old school Bible school songs and some new fun ones. I play the guitar. So we just have a blast and um, start the week out on a good foot, you know, getting into the week. And then the other days I'm kind of um, as needed administratively or um, as a substitute. I love all these kids. I see all of them. So it's really easy to hop into any one of our classes and, and to show up. So I have been doing that for about five years now since, um, I went back to work after I had my second daughter. So yeah, that's what I do. Preschool teacher. <laughs> there you go. So, and what time do you go to bed at night? Cause obviously four fifteen wake up calls are, are pretty tough and you're working with kids and then being around <laughs> your own kids. Sure. Um, and no matter whose kids they are, they're exhausting. Even if you love them, they're exhausting. Right? They are. Cause they have more energy than I do. Um, well, I'll put it in perspective. It's about nine 25 ish right now. And I'm probably already been in bed for a solid 30 minutes, if not an hour. Look at you sacrificing yeah. for the Rambling Runner podcast. No, there is no sacrificing. I always, I always get on people when they tell me that I'm sacrificing. Okay. No, I'm just finding a way to make it all work. I always say it's a choice of words. It's a harmony of everything. So, um, yeah, it, it, I do go to bed early, but there are some nights where I can make it work and I, I try my hardest to stay up, but yeah, I'm finding harmony 
with being on the Rambling Runner podcast tonight. So I'm, there you go. I don't, yeah, currently I'm not sacrificing. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me tomorrow when I get up at four fifteen. <laughs> there you go. I love that. That's a good point. All yeah. right. So so you you got it going. You 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 entered the kind of the triathlon world. You picked up running. You got a coach. Everything's working well. Um, and then last November you ran in a marathon and it didn't quite go mm-hmm. how you expected. So, um, I did this crazy PR at a May half marathon and I had told myself, you know, if I can get to that PR, then I'm going to sign up for a full marathon. Cause that's what every runner does. Right. Especially in this social media running community. And so I thought, well, I got to join the cool kids. So I did it and signed up for it and started training and really had a strong first, I don't know, eight weeks. And um, I, I was starting to actually believe that I was going to BQ. Like I knew it. I need, I think that um, my cutoff time was at 325. And I thought, well, I think I can do this. I got it. I, I'm good. Um, and I went out for the 18 mile run. And literally at mile 17 and a half, um, my, I'm trying to think which side it was first, my left IT band or my left knee, that, that's what I thought. It literally just stopped. Like I could have, I had no forward motion, no propelling, and I was in debilitating crippling pain. And so I basically crawled back to my car. Thankfully we were almost done um, and sobbed and thought, this is what everybody deals with. Like everybody has to go through injury season and here's mine. Um, at that point I realized that I probably would not be able to, to do what I wanted to do. And that was okay. I was still going to shoot to run. Um, ended up getting connected with a fabulous, um, sports med chiropractic group up in the queen city in Charlotte. And, um, he said, you're going to be able to run and I'm going to let you keep running, but you need to know that it's going to take you about five weeks, five weeks to gain the strength you need to, to really heal. Um, and sadly I had like six weeks before the race. Oh, so I know it, it was a little depressing, but I didn't give up and went through that treatment and started the marathon first 13 miles and my average was like an eight eleven, and I thought this is golden. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna just keep going. And then at something around mile fifteen, started to nag on me, and um, I knew it was coming. I knew that the IT flare up was about to happen, and I just kept saying, you know, just keep moving forward. You know, when it's I'll stop you, but for now, just keep going. And then, and all of that, the temperature kept rising. And so it was pushing like 80, low 80s um, in temperature. And I don't know about you, but when you've been running for two or more hours and it's mid 80s and you're tired and you're hot and you're losing fluids, um, I tried to put a gel in my body and it did not work. And so I was unable to dehydrated then the IT band was happening and so and sadly at mile 21 I had to send that text message to my husband I can't run anymore so um, it was a struggle for those last six miles and I was so just defeated because I thought I had it and 
knew I had an injury, but I should have never put my eggs in the basket. But I, you know what? I still crossed the finish line and dang it, I became a marathoner. It wasn't the time that I thought it wasn't even the experience I envisioned, but they, you know, they always say you learn so much on a marathon and that's the truth. So, um, so I crossed it and I collapsed and I wanted to cross so hard. And then the next day we went sightseeing, which was so stupid. <laughs> like we're walking everywhere and I just run this marathon, but I knew that I would come back. I knew I would do a new, another one. Um, so yeah, that, that's what happened in November. I finished and I'm a marathoner. That's all I can say at this point. <laughs> there you go. Well, Hey, congratulations on the finish. Yeah. That's always a big deal. Um, and I'm listening to you talk about this and I can't get out of my head a quote that you used a few months later um, when you're referencing a recent half marathon that you ran where you had some hiccups in the middle um, and you see you hearken back to your marathon yeah. experience and one yeah. of the quotes you used was you referenced your lack of mental toughness but I got to be honest with you Amanda I don't see it, it is, you, you sound very tough to me yeah, that I sound that way, but I, when I was referring to this half marathon that I just did, it was supposed to be a training half. And again, I, this is the year, by the way, of run all the races as free as you can. So I do my best to get like free entries because it's super fun. And then I don't have to pay for it. And then there's no pressure. And so this was one of them. I had a workout plan in, in place and I had paces, I written on my arm, I had all my gear, you know, I was ready to go. And of course it would be like the hottest day of the spring. And, um, mile, I'm every mile I'm hitting everything. And then I get to mile, um, seven, which was a recovery mile from the, just the rat, the last six miles. And I'm like, uh Oh, so, something's happening right now. And I don't know if it was a mixture of the heat, but I kept literally was seeing flashbacks of the whole gel not going down at the full marathon and the heat and the dehydration. And literally at mile eight, I saw a sidewalk and I stopped my watch and I went and I lay down. I let myself do that. Who does that in a half marathon race? <laughs> but, but I did. And, um, I, I failed myself, I think, with the mental toughness on that. And finally, an officer came over and said, ma'am, we've got somebody coming for you. I said, no, 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 I'm getting up. So I got up and I, I again, I finished that half marathon. It was not what I expected. But um, that whole vision of the full marathon and those thoughts of I'm going to be sick and I'm really ready to be done right now flashed through my head. So um Maybe I just need to stick to the shorter races. I don't know. But I love the half marathon distance. And it will not bite me again like that. I refuse to get on the sidewalk ever again. I will never do that. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, and that was the, that was your first half marathon in the spring? Um, or was that no, your second? That was, that was, run, was it, that was Run Like a Diva? No, that was actually um, another one up in the in Charlotte. Um, okay. So that was my second. My first one this year was at Myrtle Beach, which was um, intended to be the second full marathon that I was going to train for. So after the first full marathon, I went back into a training cycle and the right IT band gave me problems on the 15 mile run one week. And I said, you know what? I'm not doing this again. I'm dropping to the half. And um, 
I, let's see. I, my previous PR was like a 143 and then I ran a 140 13. Um, and and, first in your age group, seventh overall. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a phenomenal race. It was, um, people were talking about the Boston weather and I do know that the Boston weather was horrific, but, um, I think it was like 30 degrees on this morning and we had 40 mile an hour gusts mm. on the coast and it was headwind. Um, if you look at like the pace chart, you can see where the wind would come and literally we were swept off our feet. Like several people fell actually because the wind was so strong. Um, but it was the most phenomenal race. I, I raced side by side with a friend of mine and we, um, we just went for it and it was, it was such a great feeling. So I think the thirties are the, the way to go. Like I can't do this 80 degree weather stuff. It's pretty rough. <laughs> but um I, I agree with you. You can always dress warmer. You yeah. can't you can't just carry around an air conditioner. No. You, know I mean? you can't you can't you can't regulate at least for me. I'm yeah. very fair skinned. I got freckles all over the place. I do not do well in heat. Yeah. Um I will take the winter running any day yeah. over the summer. That's for Hands sure. down. I I would agree. But a lot of these races now that I'm signed up to do for the next couple of months, they're I mean there's one on July fourth and that one's always miserably warm. So, um, I'm, I guess I have to start kind of training for it, you know? Um, because when, when you're not used to it, like that second half marathon I did, it was the first time I'd run in heat two days prior. I ran when it was 37 degrees. So, you know, if you're not, you aren't trained for it, you can't handle it. So, um, I guess that's part of the, the training that's to come in the next couple of months. There you go. And then you mentioned earlier that you were on medication before, before because of, um, you know, allergies and was it, was it migraines as well? Migraines. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but you've, you've changed some, some of your diet recently and we've kind of commiserated over that with my own little experiences <laughs> with, with cutting sugar out. So, so what did you do and how did it, uh, how did it work out for you? Yeah. So, um, I went from no migraines for about two years, 27 months maybe. And then all of the sudden, Um, I had one in January and then I had one in February. And then by April I had five, um, in 28 days, I had five of them. And when I get migraines, they're like full on migraines. Um, you know, the visual and the oral, I can't hear anything. I can't smell anything. I can't see anything or else I vomit. And I mean, it's nasty. It's bad. I become completely worthless to my children, to my family, to my coworkers. And, um, so I had gone back to the doctor and he said, well, basically your migraine chip and your brain's acting up again and everything else is fine. So a friend of mine said, well, why don't you try this? I've been working on it because my, I've got some gut issues. And, but the more I research, it's kind of like what you're going through and it's a low histamine elimination and it's termed a diet, but you know, previous eating disorder patient doesn't like to call anything a diet. So, um, basically what it is, our bodies have natural histamines in them. Um, and we're used to hearing histamine from when, you know, you have to take Benadryl from your allergies or whatever, but, um, our body can withstand a certain amount of histamines. Um, and it helps break down food in our gut and it helps blood flow and regulation and all that kind of stuff. But there can actually be a point where we fill our little histamine bucket too much. And when we do that and it starts to overflow, our body just kind of spazzes out and responds in a bunch of different ways for different 
people. Um, for some, it's, you know, digestive issues. For some, it's joint issues. For some, it's migraines. And oddly enough, um, many of the foods that are high in histamines are also high in a chemical called tyramine. Or I shouldn't say tyramine. Or, or uh, chemical, uh, I guess, ingredient. I don't know. Um, and I'm not a doctor. I'm just doing what I see on the on the internet, but, um, that is one of the top main food migraine triggers. I can't talk. It's getting late. Here we go. So the tyramine and histamine, they're all connected. And so she said, cut it out for 30 days and see how your body responds. So what, what foods, what foods does that, does that encompass? The most fabulous ones, things that, no, um, (laughs) yeah, I know, I know it's pretty depressing. So, um, bananas, avocados, strawberries, a lot of the citrus fruits, Spinach, uh, marinated meats, um, a lot of shellfish and other fish, um, cheeses, milk, anything basically that's like cultured or is fermented or can spoil or can ripen and get better. Um, you know, a lot of people like to eat brown bananas. I am not one of those individuals, but, um, any of those things, they produce high levels of histamines in them. And then when you put them in your body, um, there, there's just a certain intake, you know, that it can handle. And I am almost to the point where I am a hundred percent certain that that's what I was going through. Cause it's been three weeks today, um, that I had my last migraine and, um, I started the elimination three days after this day. So I, it's pretty powerful. I stopped eating all the avocados, stopped eating the bananas. Um, you know, I've cut, all of that stuff. I was eating handfuls of spinach and my eggs. And then I put it in a smoothie and I had a banana in the morning and a banana at night. And then I would loathe my toast with the avocado. So it it kind of makes sense, but I've had a lot of success with it. And, um, you know, I still get to eat bread, which is the big thing. Like I don't want to give up my bread. You know, some (laughs) of the yeast, um, does cause a problem. And, um, and then of course too, like wine and beer, um, and I can notice a big difference. If I consume any of those things that are on the, the high histamine list, I start to feel bad. So um, thankfully, I can still eat chocolate chip cookies, unlike you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so so good. It hasn't taken away any of my energy to keep going, which was also a fear. Like if I'm changing something in my daily food intake, can I still run? Um, and yeah, I mean, there's proof right there. I ran a PR, uh, on Sunday with the, the intake that I've been doing and I feel so much better. So, um, I don't know for anybody that may be struggling with some migraines or gut issues, look into it. It might be worth a try, um, without having to pursue medication, which is what I kind of want to avoid. Um, so yeah, the, the low histamine elimination. There you go. Well, before we get into the last couple of questions, I want to thank you for coming on the show. This has been an absolute pleasure. You're so enjoyable to talk to and to hear from. So thank you so much for coming on. And if someone wants to learn more about you, where can they go? So I'm most active on the Instagram and my handle is just Amanda Gant. And that last name is G-H-E-N-T. Um, and you can also search it by the running senora too. Um, one point I tried to change the name and you know how everybody's funny about that. But, um, so that's where I am mostly. You can also find me on Facebook though. It's not of a different thing of what's on Instagram. And then I have a blog that I try to 
um, kind of keep active, but it's the running senora, um, dot wordpress.com. So there you go. Those there are the best go. ways. Yeah. All right. All right. So when you're running, are you going headphones or no headphones? I'm definitely going headphones because I'm addicted to podcasts now and the greatest showman soundtrack. <laughs> the, the, the what? The greatest showman. Uh, you I don't, don't know, know this. that. Oh, and you have kids too. You need to watch it. Um, Hugh Jackman's in it. And it is the story of how the circus essentially came about, but in a very contemporary way. And it's kind of a musical movie. And so hmm. I listened to the music for that race on Sunday and I promise you it's what gave me the PR. Like there, it's just so moving and powerful about really accepting the differences um, that are in the world. Like there are different people that look different and act different and talk different, but there's a place for all of us and that's just who we are. And so we really just need to accept that. So it's got a great message, great music. Um, yeah, you need to go run it. It's out on the red box now. So go take care of that. All right. Yeah. So headphones for sure. I've been, I've been advised. All right. I'll, yes. I'll look into that. All right. Um, so yeah, so, uh, we got the music covered. Um, what is the best advice that you give other people, but that you have trouble following? Wow. Um, let it go. Not to be confused with Anna and Elsa, but, um, you know, I, I really have a good time and an easy time telling folks that are harboring things from their past or the way they've been treated and just say, let it go. And just, start from a clean slate. But, um, you know, when my heart gets hurt or my feelings get offended, sometimes I have a hard time letting go. And that's just, if I'm able to give myself grace and forgiveness, I need to be able to offer it to somebody else too. So I think that would probably be it. All right. Now who, uh, as a runner, who motivates you? Um, you know, and the whole social media world, I would probably say my two favorite people, to follow or, um, Danielle Hartman. I think she's Danielle Hart runs. I think that's her name. And yeah. then, um, run to PR, um, Amanda Cruz, who just got a, a recent, um, Olympic trial qualifying time. So they are always on fire. They don't give into their excuses and they are totally killing it. So, um, they're great motivators for me. Absolutely. Yeah. So Amanda has been on the show Yeah. and Danielle is kicking butt. She's, a uh, you know, one of, one of those uh, pregnant runners right now. Yeah, yeah, she, and she's you know, killing it. <laughs> she's killing it. So she's like 18 months pregnant and still has a six-pack. I, right. I mean, I'm in awe of that. Um, you know, I, I, I look like I'm pregnant, but I don't have a six-pack. Um, right. It's a completely different scenario for me. Um, all right, so if you could run only one more race the rest of your life, but you could run it every year, what race would that be? I think it would be um... – the one that I did in Myrtle Beach, not the run like a diva, though that is really, that's a fun one. But um, the, the one in um, March that I did, because it's at the beach, which is my favorite place. It's kind of in the winterish into spring. So um, you really hope for some warmer weather, but this year we got cooler weather and it's right near where my dad lives. And so I just love running at the beach and it's a fun atmosphere. So yeah, Myrtle Beach Marathon. All right. And on the other end of the spectrum, what is your, you know, your top bucket list race? I want to run the rock and roll half or full in Madrid, Spain. 
as soon oh, as possible. Yeah. The running senora heading over to yes. Spain. Yeah. So I studied there when I was in college um, and lived there for a semester and have just been dying to go back, but don't have a good excuse or reason. <laughs> so um, I saw it just recently and it's right after, um, gosh, what is, it falls right near one of the big races. And I thought that's where I'm going to be next year. I'm going to run it in, in my old hometown. So there you go. Well, good yeah. luck. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you Not yeah. to do well, but to actually get out there and to do it. And last question before we get going, who is your dream running partner? My husband. Oh, isn't that sweet? I know it's, it's pretty, um, that's pretty cheesy, but no, we, um, well, you we can't, have... you can't have cheese anymore. So this is the only cheese you're allowed. <laughs> right, exactly. We don't really get a chance to do it very often because, um, we sort of fight over who gets to get up in the morning. So that's pretty much our only, um, argument is who gets to wake up at four fifteen and go work out. But, um, when we get the opportunity to steal away for a few minutes or a couple of miles, um, it's fun because he is a little bit quicker. And so he kind of keeps me on my toes, but, um, it, I think he likes it too, because his wife can keep up with him. So yeah, he's my dream running partner. <laughs> oh, isn't that nice? Well, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been great. Uh, and good luck with the rest of 2018 and with your, uh, Antihistamine, your anti-antihistamine diet. Yeah. Well, thank you, Matt. It was such great, a uh, great time. So, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Have a good night. All right. You too.